Well, I am just so excited to, to be with you once again as we continue on talking about extraordinary, <laughs> where God puts extra on our ordinary as we look at the book of Acts and how people who, who seem so, so average, seem so maybe ordinary, God accomplishes extraordinary things in and through their lives, just as he is going to accomplish extraordinary things in and through your life in this season, in this year. We're going to the book of Acts chapter 11, and today I want to talk with you about the whole story. <laughs> You're like, wait, the whole story? Now, don't worry. We're not going to start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. But, but sometimes we, we just get part of the story. It's just, it, it's just a fragment of the story. Or, or it's just one side of the story. But today, we're looking at the whole story. Acts chapter 11 Verse 1 says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. News spreads fast, especially today. You look at everything with all the not just broadcast news, but everything online, and, and you're like, wow, news spreads fast. It used to have to be like you wanted someone to know something, <laughs> you had to send a telegram. <laughs> I wasn't alive then. Like, send a pigeon? Uh, I remember the time where you had to pick up the phone before you could even pick up a device and message someone. But isn't it amazing how we like to be the first to tell? We feel special if we can say something to someone that they that they didn't know, that they haven't heard from anyone else. It's like, maybe I'm not supposed to be telling you this, but anytime someone says that to me, I'm like, hey, if you're not supposed to be telling me, don't say it. And I think it's important to, to recognize just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. Just because they said it doesn't make it fact. I remember being a kid in church and people would say funny things. As a kid, I'm like, what is this? Like Christian lingo can be funny. I remember being a kid and people would say, tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> be like, well, I don't even know what that means. But, but, but are we really telling the truth? When someone's talking to you, who, who who's speaking? impacts what they're saying. And in fact, how they're telling the story impacts how it lands in your life. Don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> you're like, I'm not gullible. I'm not saying you're gullible. But some of us, just because we hear it on the news, we take it as fact. Just because we heard something from our favorite YouTuber, we take it as fact. <laughs> like how many with with our kids, just because you saw it on Snapchat doesn't doesn't mean it's it's fact. Sometimes it's truth, but it's tainted truth. So sometimes it's it's polluted in how it's being presented. Sometimes it's like wait the the communication has been. Condam contaminated. You're like, yeah, but I saw a chart. I saw the statistics. <laughs> There's been a lot of charts. And you're like, well, hold on. 
How can this chart contradict this chart? How can this statistic uh, contradict this statistic. Oftentimes it's, well, what do, who's ever paying for the study? What do they want to accomplish and, and how they choose to do it and who they choose to, it's like, wait, ho- hold on. Anyone ever heard there's, there's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. I think it's important that, that, that we are mindful of what we receive and what we reject because some people are rejecting truth and some people are receiving lies. It's like, is it, is it their word or, or is it God's word? Because some of us were receiving their word and we're rejecting God's word. When we need to receive God's word and, okay, do we need to receive or do we need to reject their, their word? We, if we receive God's word, we can walk in the wonders of God as we discover the whole story. Verse 2 says, So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. (laughs) He's being criticized. Today, we live in a world of critics. (laughs) critics. <laughs> like you're like, wait, hold on. They at that time they didn't know they they didn't know what Peter's story was. They they didn't know anything about the pain or or about the background or or about the beliefs. And it's like, wait, hold on. P- people automatically they want to criticize us when when they don't really know. They don't really know our journey. They they don't really know the the evidence that we can actually share. There's a big difference between facts and opinions. And it's almost as if our culture today wants us to believe that our opinions are fact. <laughs> it's your truth. It's like, wait, hold on. Is, that, is this a fact or is this just an opinion? Now, now are you, you might be looking at me and thinking, so are you saying we should never criticize something? There's a big difference between having concerned critique for something and having a critical spirit. You're like people like, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Did you hear? It's like, we just want to, we just want to criticize things that, that we weren't even that we weren't even there for. It, it's okay to have a, a concerned critique of something, but, but has it become a, a critical spirit in our lives? I see that, that what's happening with culture and, and Christians is like culture right now, uh, at least a good portion of culture, just wants to criticize Christians. Over the years, I, I've seen it in movies and, and in TV shows and, and in live theater, but now it's happening more, more than ever. Lindsay and I, the show we're watching right now is making Christians look so bad. <laughs> and you're like, well, why are you watching it? Just to get angry? No, be, because I want to know what we're dealing with. But it's like, wait, oh, hold on. The, that's not the Christians that, that I know. And yet so many Christians now don't want to be criticized, don't want to be canceled, so, so we can start copying culture <laughs> because culture doesn't want to criticize it if we're, just like, if we're just like culture. Now, you might be thinking like, so are you saying we should just point out problems? No, it, it, anyone could point out problems, but let's also point to the solution because a critical world has led to a cancel 
culture. Why? Because it's so much easier to be a critic than a contributor. God hasn't just called us to be critics. He's called us to be contributors. I've made up in my mind, I want to compliment more than I criticize. I want to contribute more than I complain. Is it easy? No. Do I want to do that every day? No. But I've made up in my mind, okay, when I feel like criticizing, I need to remember I also need to compliment. When I feel like complaining, it's time to contribute. Verse 3, and said, they're criticizing him. They say, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Notice here, they didn't ask. They just assumed and accused. Immature people make accusations based on assumptions. <laughs> Mature people ask. <laughs> I found that the older I get, and you can get older without becoming more mature, but, but as I focus in growing in my walk with God and, and growing uh, emotionally, that, that I'm asking more questions these days and making far less assumptions. They're like, you, you, they automatically use alienating words. It's happening in our world today. It's us versus them. It's you. <laughs> you, 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 went, you went to their house. People make accusations. You voted for that person. You went to, to that bar. You went to, to that club. I saw you with, with, those, with those people. <laughs> why, why would Peter do this? It's like, who did Peter learn this from? Maybe Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Jesus was accused. He's like, wait, why, why, why are you hanging out with, with sinners? Why, why, why are you hanging out with, with those people? Uh, he, he, like, wait, hold, hold on. He, you ate with them? To us, that, that isn't a big deal be, because we sit around meals and we're all on our devices. But at that time, a, meaning, a, a, a meal was meaningful. I tend to be a really fast eater. I, I got to be careful to slow down. Otherwise, you can get like heartburn or, or, or indigestion because I just want to eat so fast. But, but sometimes we, we, we need to be reminded that, that a meal, maybe it's not just about consumption, but it's about connection. At one of our recent gatherings in Atlanta, I was able to, to interview a, one of the local chefs who who went from working at a restaurant to, to, to now putting up pop-up meals and, and gatherings and, and at some of these, which is incredible food. But at some of these, when people walk in, you're required to put your device in this little basket. <laughs> you're like, no, I don't think so. Be, because it's not just about amazing food. It's about actually taking time and connecting with other people. That's what I love about meals in Europe. Lindsay and I this summer are, are gonna get to go back to Europe. It's been a while since we've been there and we're really excited and we love and we plan our trip about around where we wanna eat. And sometimes it's like a three, four, over a four hour meal. And it's an amazing experience, not just with great food, but it's a time to connect with one another. And oftentimes you find yourself in conversations and connection just with other people there at that meal. 
That's not how it is, at least in Southern California, in Atlanta, in Sarasota, where it's like, wait, hold on, people, it's just about consuming food. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we're physically overfed and emotionally underfulfilled. You see right here, you can get it right and still get it wrong. Wait, you're like, what are you saying? I can get it right and still get it wrong? It's like they're saying, Peter, you did this, you did this. They're right, but they're also wrong. And sometimes we're, we're right, but we're also wrong. Why? Because we're assuming. You know what dangerous three words? <laughs> These are a dangerous three words. I just assumed. <laughs> What if you stop assuming and accusing other people and you start asking questions? Then we can discover the whole story. Verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He's like, let me fill you in. Let me catch you up. Do you know anyone who's a, a mid-conversation know-it-all? who will just like automatically interrupt a conversation that you're having with someone else and, and they automatically just start talking like they know what the discussion is about or like they're an expert in that area. And you're like, y you're, you're hold on, you're missing it. You're a mid-conversation know-it-all, but it seems like you know nothing at all. Or how about any parents out there that know there are two sides to every story? Uh, okay, maybe if you're a parent and you have more than one kid, you certainly know that to be the case. <laughs> Where one of your kids is like, so-and-so hit me. And then you're like, what What did you do? Nothing. Did you, know, did you hit him back? No. Did you look? No, no. It's, it's all their fault. And parents know there are two sides to every story. And just like a kid coming to a parent making an accusation, that, that's what's happening with, with our culture today. And, and that's what's happening right now with, with, with social media. It's like making all these accusations against followers of Jesus. It's amazing that, that I've even lost friends because they jumped to conclusions. People have left our church because they jumped to conclusions. <laughs> If I wasn't sitting down, I would start jumping right now. And be, because that's, it's like people are jump around, jump around, jump up, jump up. <laughs> Anyone remember House of Pain? Like, but, but people are jumping to conclusions. I've never been uh, in a trial where I had to raise my right hand, but I've seen it in movies where you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. <laughs> And nothing but the truth, so help me God. I don't know if we even say that anymore, so help me God. And I don't think we put it on the Bible. I don't know. I don't know. I have not been in court. But, but certainly, it's like we need to discover the whole truth. Be, because true facts can actually lead to false conclusions. How so? When you have partial truth, not complete truth. My, my mom's dad was a mathematician, worked uh, for NASA on, on space shuttles, a, a very, very smart person. My mom's stepdad was also a mathematician for NASA. He was actually my mom's dad's boss 
And anyway, messy, messy story. But with my grandpa and my my step-grandpa, I didn't call him step-grandpa. It was just my grandpa and then my opa because they were German. That's what we called them, opa. And, and, And we would do math, I remember, from being a little kid. And we would start working the problems, and we'd have to, you'd, you'd have to show your work, and sometimes it would be multi-step problems. And if you stop somewhere in the midst where you're not finished working out this mathematical equation, what you've done is accurate, but it's not complete. It's partial truth, and that's how we are. Maybe because we're lazy and we don't want to finish working it out, or we don't want, I'm, not, I'm not accusing you of being lazy, but sometimes it is hard work getting to what is the truth and because we just want to trust the so-called experts or we just want to trust that that news anchor but it's like wait hold on we need to see the whole picture we need to hear the whole story and we can discover the whole truth Peter goes on to tell him, he's like, I was praying. I I had a vision. It was a large sheet and coming down from heaven with all these four-footed animals and and reptiles and and birds. And and there was this voice who said, you know, get up, kill, and eat. And he's like, no, I'm disgusted. I don't want to do that. Like all the vegans and vegetarians joining right now. Peter's like, nothing impure has touched my lips, has entered my mouth. I go, that's disgusting. What do you find? Disgusting. <laughs> I've ate fish eyes. So some people say that, ooh, that that's disgusting. <laughs> in some dishes and other cultures, as I've traveled, it's like, what's in that? And they're like, you don't want to know. It's like, well, then I don't want to eat. It's like, the, the, you know that sometimes it's it's not just our words, but it's our eyes where we can look like, oh, maybe as I said, you know, fish eyeballs. You're like, oh, you, the way you look. I remember as a kid. When I would get in trouble, my dad didn't have to say anything. Oh, yes, he did say something, and he raised his voice, and he called me not just by my first name, but my middle name. You know, when a parent uses the middle name, you are in trouble. But even before that, just that look, just those eyes. You know, sometimes people, just the way that they look at us, maybe because of of decisions we've made. Maybe it's because of, of how we're living our life or or certain aspects of of what we believe in, and they look at us with disgust. And sometimes because of how people are looking at us, we, we can feel less than. We can start to maybe feel insecure. We can feel unloved. But are we so focused with how other people are looking at us when we should be more concerned with how God looks at us, where he sees his child, he sees that we've been forgiven. He sees that we've been redeemed, that, that we've been bought with a price, that we are so valuable. <laughs> Don't make me quote outcast so fresh and so clean, clean. The voice says, Don't call anything impure or unclean that God has made clean. What if it's time for us to step from disgust into our destiny. You see, what matters most is not what other people call us, it's what God calls us. Peter had this, this vision three times, three times. Sometimes we, we, we learn because, because it needs to be repeated and, and that's how we end up learning. But, but even beyond that, for the author to give this much space 
Th- to, three times, to, to, to mention this three times, it must be important to repeat it. To, for there to be redundancy, it must be important. What's important? Maybe for us to get, God doesn't want our opinion. He wants our obedience. That God is the one directing our destiny. Yeah, like you can choose your own adventure, but but I want to choose the adventure that that God has for me. At this time, the, the individuals from Cornelius' house show up and, and Peter went with them. He's like being led by the Spirit, not being led by what he wanted to do. I wonder who God is sending you to. I wonder who God is sending this church to. He, he's sending us to people in Atlanta, to, to people in Sarasota, for, for, for more spaces and expressions to come. And one of the things I love is it says Peter went without hesitation. Are you hesitating right now? Remember in high school, we, we had an incredible running back on our football team. There was one problem. You're like, what was it? Was he not fast? No, he was fast. You're like, okay, could, was he not strong? No, he was strong. I mean, he could run over people. You're like, well, then what was the problem? Would he fumble? No, not necessarily more than anyone else. You're like, what's the problem? He would hesitate. <laughs> the O-line, offensive line, would, would, would create an opening after the ball would be hiked. He would get the ball and then all of a sudden hesitate. So the opening would begin to close. I wonder who of us has been hesitating, that that God's been opening up some doors, but we were hesitating. Opening up some opportunities, but, but we were hesitating. You know that delaying can actually end up derailing your destiny. Don't delay. He says in verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as he had come on us at the beginning, then I remembered what the Spirit had said. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what the Lord says, or do you just remember what they say? <laughs> My oldest, Ian, when he was a little boy, he, it was hilarious before he could even really talk clearly. And he couldn't say, remember, he would say, member. So he'd say, dad. And he couldn't even say that. He would say, dat, D-A-T, member. He would say, he'd say dad, remember dad? Remember dad? dad? Dad, you said that we were going to go get some ice cream. Remember dad? dad? Dad, you said that we can go practice baseball. Remember dad? dad remember? And it's like, I found that many people, we, we can be good at remembering the bad things in our life but we're bad at remembering the good things. Have you ever played the game memory? You have all the, the, the little, you know, you're, you're turning the pieces over, trying to, trying to create a match. And uh, I found in, in the life, <laughs> in our lives, the, it's not a game, it's, it's but our memories, we tend to focus and remember all the bad things. And sometimes we, we need to forget some things and we need to remember some things because maybe we're forgetting scripture and we need to remember scripture and maybe we're just remembering everything that we hear and see on the news and 
and we're remembering and seeing all the insults and we're remembering all the, all the negative things that people said to us and about us as kids. And it's like, wait, hold, hold on, that might be their words. But what about God's words? You, you see, as powerful as, as people's words are and people's words can inform us, it's God's presence that can actually transform us. Verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? Uh, Let me just point out here, this gift is from God. It's not from people. Stop looking for people to give you what only God can give you. You're looking for purpose in your life, and you're like, that, that, that purpose is not going to come from your boss. Purpose in life is going to come from God. You're looking, but, but I'm just looking for, I'm looking for fulfillment. Well, fulfillment is not going to come from your buddies, and, and you're like, okay, the, this is what we like to do for fun. This is our hobby. That's not true fulfillment. True fulfillment is going to come from God. You're like, well, well, what about having a sense of power? It's not going to come from a position at work. It's going to come from God being empowered to be and accomplish all that God has called you to accomplish. It is the same gift. It is not different. God's not going to give you uh, any more or any less than he has promised us. Listen, God's love is the same. I know it seems scandalous. It, It seems reckless. And Peter... He's acknowledging, if God, then who am I? (laughs) Sometimes I got to think, who am I to stand in the way of God of reaching those people? But God, do you know who they voted for? But God, do you know how, what what they believe? But it's like he doesn't. It's like, who am I to stand in, in there? We can't stop God. So sometimes we need to get out of the way so God can make a way and we can discover the whole story. Verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Have you found yourself objecting? (laughs) Maybe not at a wedding. (laughs) If anyone is, no, maybe not in court as a lawyer, your honor, object me. Maybe you found yourself objecting about things happening in this world. Objecting, objecting. What if what God wants us to do and wants to see happen is for us to make a shift? There was a shift here in the book of Acts where the good news wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the the Gentiles. I believe a shift is coming for this church. Not just for the people in Glendora, but for the people in Atlanta and for the people in Sarasota. And a shift is happening in your life as well. We're like, everything is different. Everything's different. Yeah, because God's taking us into a new season. As a church, I believe God's taking you into a new season of your life. It's like, well, even the Gentiles, even, even others. And here's the thing. God has granted repentance. <laughs> Granted is to permit as a privilege or a favor. You're like, wait, hold on. Wait, what? what? This is, we don't have to repent. We get to repent. Repentance gets a bad rap. 
We think, oh, repentance, it's all about shame. It's, it's all about condemnation. No, repentance leads to life. Just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lindsay is really good at saying sorry for things that don't matter. She apologizes all day long for things. It's like, you don't need to apologize for that. But then when something big happens, and it's like, girl, you should probably apologize for that. She goes silent. And I wonder if we're the same way with God. We're okay apologizing for the things that don't matter. But for the things that do matter, we need to say, God, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I am here repenting. And you'll discover there's no shame. There's no condemnation. This actually leads to life, true life, that is found in Jesus. He who the Son sets free, she who the Son sets free is free indeed. There is true repentance that leads to complete freedom <laughs> as we discover the whole story.